Today we're talking about the rise of the scientist founder and what it takes to go from the lab to the world of startups. I'm Gita Reinitz from NFX Bio, and this is the NFX Podcast. Today we're announcing NFX Bio, and today I'm sitting around with Omri Drory, PhD, and with Dr. Emily LaPruz of Twist Biosciences, and we are here to announce what we're doing. You know, the last 50 years have been about software, but the next 50 years are going to be about bio. And in particular, the combination of information technology and bio, the costs have come down so much that now we can address so many different industries and product and progress with bio that we could never do before. And so NFX Bio is our group that's dedicated to those type of investments. It's the pre-seed and seed investor for this industry. And we are bringing a series A level infrastructure and team to invest in pre-seed and seed. Uh, we've been scientists, founders ourselves. We've been in your shoes. And so we know every aspect of the business you're in, when you take money from NFX Bio, you're getting people who understand the science, all right? They the connectivity to the right people. They know how it works. They've been in your shoes. And that's really the difference. Uh, good to see you guys. Good to see you. Uh, so Omri, please introduce yourself so people can know more about you. Well, it's great to be here. So uh, my name is Omri. I did my PhD in Tel Aviv University and then uh, got the Fulbright Fellowship and came to Stanford for postdoc. So I'm a scientist like uh, many of the founders we see. And I then started a company called Genome Compiler. That company builds software for bioengineers and I was lucky enough to get the investment from NFX. This is how I know the team there so well. And I ran that company for five and a half years. So, you know, I've been in the trenches and I know how it feels. And I was lucky enough back in 2016 to get acquired by Twist Bioscience and I've been working with Emily ever since. I served as a head of corporate development for uh, Twist Bioscience for two and a half years, and then left just before the IPO and started TechBio, a, a fund that invested at the pre-seed stage in companies at the intersection of biology and technology, and NFX was a big part of my fund. And uh, now I'm happy to be part of NFX Bio. And you got to meet Emily because uh, Emily acquired your first company, Genome Compiler. Yeah, but uh, actually we, we met each other years before that. Uh, I think both of us were in the room for the first synthetic biology, SynBioBeta uh, conference uh, back in, I guess, 2013, uh, even before she started Twist Bioscience. Uh, we've been interacting from the, I still remember the first office of uh, Twist, and we've been interacting ever since. Fantastic. And so uh, Dr. Emily LaPruce, I'd love for people to get to know you as well. Can you give us some of your background? Yes, happy to do it. So I'm Emily Proust. I was born in France. I'm, I'm an American. I studied chemistry and then I got my PhD in organic chemistry and DNA synthesis from the University of Houston. So I learned English in Texas, although I didn't pick up the, the accent. Uh, but I can tell you that one person is you all and two or more is all you all. So I do know that. Then after my PhD, I went directly into industry. Uh, I did R&D for 13 years in a big company. And uh, I was really drawn to the commercial aspect. And uh, I was lucky enough that uh, my two co-founders at Twist, they had invented the, the Twist technology and they were looking for a CEO to do everything that the CEO does. And I am the victim. It's been a, a great partnership since then. Could we get a little more uh, detail, Emily, on your journey from PhD to founder and CEO of Twist Biosciences? Because you've gone from this idea to IPO. It's now worth about $10 billion. It's an incredible story. What were your steps? Uh, just a little more detail on that would be great. So I did my PhD. I realized very quickly that I did not want to go in, in academia. So I skipped the postdoc uh, step and I found a 
uh, in R&D. And for 13 years, I did R&D. I went up from bench chemist all the way to director of application chemistry, R&D. And I was really good at R&D. Kept launching products. Those were doing really well. But I didn't enjoy my passion was more on the commercial side. Actually, I wanted to be on the sales side or the marketing side. And that's when, when the Bills, my co-founder, had the idea for Twist. They needed someone to take care of everything that was corporate and commercial. So all the fundraising or the corporate strategy, the commercial strategy, they needed someone to do it. You just discovered that you loved that. I knew I loved it because when I was in R&D, actually, I was on the road quite a bit to promote and to explain those new products uh, to customers. And I realized that even though I was very good at making the product, I enjoyed the selling of it. I enjoyed the communicating around that product much more than the R&D. Even though I had a 13 years R&D career, for many years before I switched to it, I knew that I wanted to be on the commercial side. What's that like if a scientist is out there and they're trying to figure out if they're like you and that they like both? What, what's the indication? At the end of the sales meeting, you have more energy? You get up earlier in the morning to go do sales calls than you do to go do research? What are, what are some of the detailed signs that you have that personality? To be a great CEO, you need to love selling an idea. Right? If you're to be a great scientist, you have to be fully grounded in reality. It's all about publishing that paper. And so you need to make sure that all your data is perfect. You have to be to sweat the details of the nitty gritty because that paper is going to be peer reviewed. And so if you can't prove everything by A plus B equals C, uh, it's not going to work out. That's the scientist's life. In the entrepreneur life, it's all about selling the dream. And so if you don't like that sales process of selling an idea, then you're not going to enjoy the life of a CEO because you know, what a CEO has to do is basically you're selling stuff. And so to sell the stock, you need to have a vision and you have to sell, you have to bring people onto your vision. And so you have to sell that idea. And that vision is a little less precise than the actual science that's behind the vision. And you have to be comfortable with both languages, communicating in both ways. Absolutely. There is a similarity, though, between scientists and CEO. There's a similarity, though, between scientists and entrepreneurs that you are not daunted by the impossible. Right? To be a scientist, you know you have to push the boundary. So you have to, to set yourself a goal that almost sounds impossible from the outside. And it's the same with an entrepreneur. When you go out there, you're trying to build something that has not been done before. And so that ability to to view an outcome that, that has never been made, that is similar. Yeah, and I want to reassure PhDs that are thinking about being founder. What I want to say is three things, right? Is one, PhD, you learn how to learn. That's what you do all the time. You have to learn new things, new methods all the time. Second, you learn how to design scientific experiment and learn from it. And third, especially in biology, you learn how to fail and pick yourself up and try again. That's what you do again and again in the lab, but you still have this optimism and greed that in five years you get your PhD and that translates very well to entrepreneurship. All three of those elements are very similar to what it's like to be a founder. And the other thing is that, look, you don't need to be a CEO founder, right? You might have the personality to be you know, the CSO or some other part of a founding team. You can still be a founder. You don't have to be the CEO of a company. You could also be a founder. No, that's right. To me, a litmus test to be a CEO is that if you do not like to raise money, do not be a CEO. Find something else. You can be the CTO, CSO, like you say. There's lots of other roles. CEO, you know, in my view, in order to be a great CEO, you need to love fundraising because it's going to be a big part of your life. 
We're using the term tech bio here today, uh, but people are maybe more used to the term biotech or sin bio. Or why are we calling it? Can you remind us all why we're calling it tech bio instead? Yes. So I think we're moving from traditional biotech to more technology and biology, hence tech bio. So you're saying information technology combined with bio. Yeah. And it's driven mainly by three main forces. One is biology is getting digitized with technologies like DNA sequencing, DNA synthesis, where Twist is uh, the world leader and sensors turning biological data from analog data into digital and back. As a second, now because the biology is being digitized, you can use computational tools, traditional computational tools and emerging machine learning AI tools to make sense of the data. And third, we're moving from a world where people are pipetting manually in the lab to high throughput automation at scale that really helps create a new categories of companies that go through the design, build, test cycle more rapidly, creating product faster and looking more like tech companies than bio companies. So Emily and Omri, just express to me again, as you've done in the past, why are you doing this? Like, why are you so excited about this space? I'm so excited about DNA technology. In the 50s, you wanted to be in aeronautics. In the, the 60s, in semiconductor. In the 70s and 80s, in computer. In 90s, in the software. And in 2000, you had to be in mobile. And my view, this is the decades of biology starting now. Biology has been so hard for so long that it took a lot of time to get somewhere. It would cost so much money that you could only apply biology to drug development. And now, because of lower cost of sequencing, lower cost of synthesis, because of automation, of computing, you can do biology at a much lower cost. And what that means is that the number of opportunities are much broader than just uh, drugs. And you can still do drugs, but you can do many other things. And that's what I'm excited is right now we are living in the era of biology. It is the place to be. And what we need to realize is biology is the most advanced technology on earth. It's not a technology that actually works. It's been around for at least 4 billion years. It scales, you know, you can see biology from space. All the air we breathe came from biology. All the food we eat comes from biology. Everything we care about comes from biology. And right now it's in the intersection of many technologies that are going up exponentially in their capability, where is DNA synthesis, DNA sequencing, computation, automation. It's all coming together right now. And you have a chance to impact the biggest markets and the most important markets. As we said, things that, you know, you can help people, you can cure people, you can feed people, you can provide for people. So this is the best place to be. And I'm so excited just to be part of it. So Omri, so what are you looking for in tech bio companies right now? So what we like to invest is the platform companies where they have a core technology, especially core biological technology and IP that allows them to create many applications, not just one small molecule for one indication. We want something that helps you create a lot of different diagnostics, a lot of different therapeutics. This is the things that really excite us. Yeah, because traditionally you've had companies that got quite big just doing one therapy or one agricultural application. But increasingly because information technology becoming more a part of the core technology infrastructure of these companies, you can now start to spread the same, the core bio IP across multiple indications, multiple use cases. And you can look at many examples. If you look at some recent and very interesting example like Moderna, they have a core messenger RNA technology and delivery technology, right? And they're using it to create not just one vaccine. And by the way, it took them two days to design the vaccine after the COVID uh, genome was published, but they can do many vaccines. They can do 
also a vaccine for, for cancers and other things. This is the kind of companies we like, or like Mammoth Bioscience, where they have core IP around CAS14, CAS5, and CAS system used for diagnostic. And you can use it both to create many different diagnostics by changing the guide RNA, but also creating many different therapeutics. And Emily, uh, as you look at companies, what are you looking for? What are some of the things that excite you? Yeah, so what excites me is the three aspects of the market, the technology, and the people. You want, I'm excited with founders that are going after a very big market. I think life is too short to play small ball. And then I'm excited about the kind of technology that are being developed to make a better mousetrap to go after that market. And then ultimately, one very important part is the funding team and the culture that they create in the company. And so those are the three aspects that I'm looking for. It's so funny because uh, it, it just uh, demonstrates how me and Emily think the same. What I tell founders is, you know, there is three slides, you know, you need to show me. And the three questions that we'll ask you is, one, is it big enough? Is the market big enough? Second, do you have any magic? And is this magic defensible? Is your technology is really magical and helping people? And third, are you the right team to execute this magic technology on this huge market to make something special? So again, me and Emily are, you know, really very similar. To be on what you said earlier, Omri, it is true that money is a community there's a lot of money available and so if you're a funding team it's almost certain that you can be funded and then therefore you have an opportunity and a responsibility to make sure that you pick the best money because when i first you know started doing fundraising i was naive and frankly i thought i'll take anything i'll take any money i need capital but it turns out that you have to be very careful because not all capital is created the same and you want to make sure you pick investors that have a differentiation compared to others. And so funders should be very careful in which money they, they take. Exactly. And I shared the same thing. You know, beginning you think uh, every money is green, but uh, you soon figure out that the big difference between good and bad investors. And the one thing I promised myself is never to be the kind of bad investors. I need. And, you know, it's the oath that doctors make, you know, at least never ever cause harm. Do we have a very developed sort of bio you know, ecosystem for investing? I mean, it seems to me that we've been developing the infrastructure, the VC infrastructure for 50 years for software and information technology. And yet we're not nearly as developed, particularly at the seed and, and pre-seed stages for bio. Yes, and uh, Emily can talk a lot about the later stage, especially in the early stage, there are not a lot of capital, especially for those companies in the tech bio industry that are both tech and bio. Right now, if you're a scientist and you want to commercialize your technology, you have very few options. You can go to a very few uh, incubators that will take a lot of uh, your equity. Or just recently, the, the accelerators got into bios. So uh, I was told that almost 15% of YC, uh, every batch is now bio, if not more. Mm. And there are some accelerators like IndieBio that gives you lab space and some small amount of money. But to really get your IP out there... And to see that it actually works, to get the proof of concept, you need a few million dollars. It's very hard to, to find. Emily, what first steps would you suggest to potential founders to turn their idea or their research into a startup? My advice would be to first have a very crisp story. And it's interesting because when you're a scientist, you, again, you want everything based in fact. But when the first time you sit down with an investor, they tell you, tell me your story. So they actually are looking for a story. And so that, that is the, the first thing to do is, is make sure that you can articulate a story that will get people excited to partner with you. And so you'll have to cover the element of the, the market, the technology, and the people. But that's what you have to think about. It's, it's not about a business plan. Uh, nobody cares. You know, people want to be 
almost emotionally involved in industry because investors, they, they have a lot of opportunities and they don't want to make the 10th PDL1 inhibitor. They actually want to do something that is exciting and new too. And so that, that's my first advice. What format does that storytelling take? Is that an email that you send to someone? Is that a tweet that you tweet out? Is that PowerPoint deck that you send to someone? What are the formats in which you communicate that story? Yeah, so in my view, it has to be in person. You know, one-on-one is, a, even through Zoom is fine, but nobody's going to invest on a PowerPoint or one pager. However, we do need that PowerPoint, the one pagers to, to hook people to get uh, the meeting. But but the best, or maybe the only way uh, to really pitch your idea in person, uh, you cannot call, call, uh, invest. You, you need to find a way to get the hot introduction. There's Again, a lot of opportunities out there. And so you need to find someone that's going to get you in the door, someone that's going to put you on the top of the pile. And so go through your network, shake the tree and get that hot introduction. And your investors, sometimes they ask you to send the deck in advance. If you can resist that, do, in my view, because they're going to look at the deck and make their own first impression. And in my view, they surely hear that story from you first. So... I would suggest get in front of someone through a hot introduction and have them hear a story from you directly. I totally agree with Emily. And I would also add that you want to be in the development cycle in the research and development. Because especially in biology, the research might take anywhere between a month to forever. So you want to start a company, best case is after you peer-reviewed your research and you know that the basic biology works before you go around and try to develop it. If we're talking to the biofounders, what does their seed company need to prove in order to get an A round or to get a seed round? Do they need to have already taken the IP out of the university or should they come to us before that happens? Um, do they need to have a full team or should they come to us before that? How far up the ladder of proof should they try to go before they go out and do a pre-seed or a seed round? The higher, the better. We've been helping companies get the IP out of universities already. We've done it for several companies. We've held companies where the team was not complete and they need a CEO or a CBO. We were doing it all the time. Obviously, the more proof points you had, the easier it is. But again, we're investing in all stages of the seed. Pre-seed, where it's just the scientists with the idea. A seed where the entire team is there and they need some help, maybe get the IP out and get the proof point for the A round. Then we even do early A's. What, uh, what geographies do you find yourself deploying most of the capital. For me, it's uh, mainly uh, the Bay Area and Israel, but we are not uh, limited uh, by geography. You know, wherever there are great companies, uh, we'll be there. Mm. And what sort of exceptional support do you think that uh, tech bio companies, scientists, founders should be looking for from their pre-seed and seed investor? What, what should they be looking for in investors like us? As I said, first, uh, do no harm, but mainly help with uh, telling the story, help with fundraising, helping with hiring, helping with introduction to uh, the right follow-up investors, help in uh, setting up the scientific advisory board, which is uh, very important for companies in our industry. Once you've built a company once, there's a lot of things that sounds difficult or insurmountable for founders, which are actually easy. It's happened many times where I know that I've spent five minutes with a founder and I know that I've saved him a month of work just because having done it before, you can provide some very quick pointers that save time. 
Yeah, that's magic. And I think it's very important also psychological help for the founders. You know, we've been there, so we know how hard it is. So just supporting them, never get frazzled, understanding the journey they are going through. You know, we've been there, we understand what you're going through and we'll support. You know, so given that information technology is coming together with biotechnology, so we got this tech bio, what are some of the areas that are now lighting up? What are some of the things that are now going to be possible areas where we're going to be investing? So many things. What I am really excited about are things like cellular therapies. You know, there are new technologies now where you can design immune cells to go after cancer, where it's the first time we've actually seen people getting cured from cancer. And this is like coding in living cells. It's pretty amazing. There are advances that are being made every day in the field of longevity. We can live longer, healthier life. And again, if you look at COVID, the biggest risk factor is how old you are. So, you know, we want to solve the underlying problem. We are super excited about moving to a more sustainable world, renewable uh, chemical, uh, renewable materials, all exciting. You know, I got to know you guys starting about five years ago, almost six years ago now, when we invested in Genome Compiler. And so we're not pretending here that the software investors at NFX are the great bioinvestors. We're bringing you guys in because you guys are the great bioinvestors. We can help out on the business side, strategy side, sales, things like that, financing, but actually understanding the science and having walked in the scientist founder's shoes, you guys have been, I mean, so that's, that's one of the major things we're doing. It's so much fun to work with you and to talk. We have a separate partners meeting together. We talk about just the bios company and the, the tech bio companies. That's, that's the process that we're building. Here. So getting back to what's different about NFX bio, if I'm a founder, what are some of the things I should know about NFX bio if I'm thinking about raising money? What we are aiming to achieve is to have the kind of investors we wish we had. Because the problem with our industry, what we call tech bio, is that if you go to tech investors, you know, you're the bio company. If you go to bio investor, then you're too much tech for them. So you want investors that really understand this new industry. You want investors that has like the Venn diagram that we share that, you know, being academia, so we understand the science, we can make our own mind really quick. We've been operators, so we know the pain you're going through. You know, we've been in the trenches. And then we scaled company in Emily case to $10 billion. And, uh, you know, we, we know what it means. Now as investors, you know, we can make our own mind quickly. We are leading runs, you know, and then we just help you be as successful as we can. All of us at NFX have been founders ourselves. And you guys in particular have been founders and scientists in the tech bio area. And so by living in their shoes, we can help with every aspect of the business. Right, that's the goal here. We come to the work of building a company from the founder's perspective. Right? We don't see your company as a cap table. We don't see it as a spreadsheet. You know, there's lots of financial investors out there, particularly in Series B and Series C. But we see the building of these companies as a unique expression of the founders. Right? We're their partners. That's really where we're trying to go with this. You know, the other thing is that we've got this completeness of the team. Not only do we have Omri, and then we have Geet, and then we have you know Emily here, but we've got myself, we've got Gigi, we've got Morgan, we've got Pete. We've got the NFX Guild, the infrastructure that comes along with that, help with PR, help with hiring, help with human resources and culture building, all the things that are required to build a company. And so there's this completeness of our team. We've got a big team. We're not investing at that seed stage, that pre-seed stage in many cases, but we still have the infrastructure of a Series A first. That's going to be hopefully helpful to folks. You know, Amri, you received a capital from investors when you were first starting out, and now you've been investing pre-seed with your tech bio fund. You know, how do you see the ecosystem changing right now? 
for biotech investing? Well, I think right now it's uh, the golden age of uh, biotech invest. COVID has shown the world how important it is to invest in things like therapeutics and uh, vaccines. This is what we like about this industry. Everything we invest in really matters. You know, they like to say in Silicon Valley, that our investment changed the world for the best. But, you know, this is exactly what we do. We invest in companies that uh, help heal people, either therapeutic or diagnostic, help feed people with uh, ag and food, and then help support people with uh, renewable chemicals and materials, etc. So all our investments are impact investment. And it's not just impact investment. We are talking about the biggest markets in the world. You know, biotech, food, materials, energy, technology, they're all coming together. It's uh, super exciting. Well, we all agree here, and that's why we're doing NFX Bio, and we're doing NFX Bio with you because of your character and because of your experience. I know that we're just incredibly excited to be launching this and can't wait to see what the next 20 years holds. Thank you so much. No offense to, to Google, but it's a lot more exciting to work on some DNA-based technology than to work on autofill of, of a Google. <laughs> Optimizing as. Agreed. All right, guys. You've been listening to the NFX podcast. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you can subscribe to the NFX podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. For more information on building iconic technology companies, visit nfx.com.